Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm sorry that it has been quite a while since the last time uh, the Believe in Florida Gators podcast hit your Apple podcast app or Spotify or whatever you're listening to us on right now. Uh, We've had some turbulence here, to say the least. First off, I might as well reintroduce myself. It's Zach Goodall, your host here. Uh, And my former co-host, Demetrius Harvey, has moved on to greener pastures. He is now covering the Jacksonville Jaguars full-time as the lead reporter for the Florida Times Union. I couldn't be happier for him. It was his dream job. As soon as he hit me up and told me uh, it was coming, I told him, don't think twice, just go get this thing, and and we'll be good here at the Believe in Florida Gators podcast and over at allgators.com. I didn't want to say I had a succession plan already in place, but I knew that there was someone I could trust to fill in on both ends, and you guys actually know him quite a bit because he's been on the show with us a few times. But that being said, I'd like to introduce you guys to my new co-host at the Believe in Florida Gators podcast. That is Brandon Carroll. Brandon, I want to thank you so much uh, for filling in here, for filling in over at the site. Uh, again, everyone, really sorry that it's been a while. Uh, we obviously have a lot of catching up to do here on the pod, uh, but there's no one I'd rather have here with me to talk about it. So Brandon, uh, go ahead and say what's up to the people. How are we doing, everyone? Uh, I'm glad to be back. Obviously, like Zach said, I've been here on a few occasions on a, kind of a guest role, I should say, but I'm excited to be back in the capacity of co-host uh, here on the Believe in Florida Gators podcast. Uh, the opportunity is, you know, one of the, a great one, as Zach uh, has been so gracious to offer me. So I'm ready to kind of give my takes uh analysis and really everything surrounding the florida gators football basketball recruiting and so forth for as long as zach will let me so yeah i mean hey as long as you're not trying to leave me then uh i'm just kidding that is not a diss towards demetrius but i'll let you stick around for as long as you'd like to uh we have a lot to provide takes on to give some analysis on when it comes to gators football as I don't think we've recorded since late July, early August, maybe around that time frame. It was more recruiting centric at that point. And now we are three weeks into the season. Uh, So we're excited to break that down here on this pod. I will say this is going to be a bit more of a teaser episode with Brandon here. We're not going to go super in depth on what's happened or what's happening with the Tennessee game quite yet, because there is still a little bit of work to be done, a little bit of housekeeping that's being done behind the scenes with the Believe in Florida Gators podcast right now. There could be a third host here at some point in the very near future, and we're thinking it's someone that fans would like quite a bit. They'd be interested in this type of perspective, so I'm not going to get too far into it, uh, but rest assured, this is only the tip uh, of the iceberg when it comes to the content that we're going to be bringing you guys. Cause we got a lot more in store uh, regardless of a new host. Once we get back into the thick of this, we're excited to break down what's happened with Florida season and what's to come short and long-term of the Billy Napier era. 
But before we get into the first three weeks, as well as the upcoming game with Tennessee, first, a message from our sponsors over at Bet Online. They're the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, and all the good stuff with uh, first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf over at Bet Online. They continue to be the top online resource for all of your sports information, from live in-game betting to props and even futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device device, I should say, to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe Fifty. That's B L E A V Fifty to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. Brandon, I um, now that you're in this spot, man, it, this is kind of where I would toss it, Demetrius, and let him. Just get things rolling. So with that, we're going to kind of crash course it. We've seen three weeks of Florida Gators football of the Billy Napier era. We came into the season understanding that it would probably be underwhelming to the, you know, the average, I don't want to say casual, but for lack of a better term, casual Florida fan that has, you know, year to year, extremely high expectations for this program and rightfully so. And I think it's fair to say we haven't really seen that through the first three weeks. But again, we knew there would be troubles. We knew that there was going to be a lot of work to be done. So just give me your rundown on, on what we've seen these past three weeks and maybe even going back to fall camp. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, there was, we were came into the season kind of expecting this roller coaster of a year as Billy Napier tries to implement everything that he's bringing over from Louisiana Lafayette, um, mainly, you know, discipline, uh, kind of the structural, reconstruction of the university of florida program it's a it's one that you know has has crashed and burned multiple times over the past decade and a half um really since urban meyer left uh they've had guys start fast and in fast and guys like will muschamp jim McElwain, and most recently dan mullen uh billy was supposed to be the guy that kind of came in and didn't do that he you know kind of had that uh, kind of gradual ascension as many, you know, like to say. And I feel like we've seen that to this point. Uh, we've kind of seen a more gradual um, kind of way to get into the season. We're not going to see this team go 10 and two in year one, like they did in other uh, under previous first year regimes, This or nine and three and 10 and two, whatever. Um, it's not going to be that, you know, kind of thrown into the fire and able to kind of get it together because there's a lot of other factors that play into it. Um, but one thing that I can say uh, that I don't think really helped the, his case, because Napier attempted to temper those expectations from Florida fans as soon as he got the job, understanding what the task at hand was um, with the roster that he had and also kind of where the program was at following Dan Mullen's departure. Um, but they came in and they beat the number seven team in the nation in week one, and everyone said, oh, let's crown Florida. And they shot up the rankings, had their biggest jump in uh, AP Top 25 modern history. Uh, were able to really kind of, um, kind of, you know, assert themselves into the national spotlight. Obviously, the underwhelmed against Kentucky, and then yet again against USF to kind of return back to earth. And now a lot of people are questioning, uh, you know, Billy Napier, the staff, and things like that. And I just have to remind everyone out there that there is, uh, you know, it, it is not just because that Utah victory was so monumental. That does not mean that his tempering of expectations doesn't still apply 
for this season. There are still growing pains that are going to happen. There's still uh, kind of these effects um, from the past that are going to continue arising. And I think we're seeing that more and more as the year goes on. See, I have to admit that I was, um, I don't want to say I rushed to crown Florida because I understood, especially with all the previewing we did. I mean, I think anyone that listened to this podcast over the summer heard us try to temper the expectations as well. Um, but I kind of bit, you know, I, I once they won that game, I was like, you know, oh, maybe Florida could pull off some wins that we're not expecting them to this year. You know, I wasn't thinking seven and five anymore. Like I said, during the summer, I was getting closer to, you know, eight and four, nine and three, still not dominant, but, but better like football that fans would be happy with when they look at it in hindsight, understanding the rebuild that was going on at the same time. And it definitely came back to bite me, but it, it, it made me think, you know, how monumental was that Utah win? when we look back on it from this point, because like when is Florida ever an underdog at home to a non sec team just ever like in, in general, even if they're taking on and this doesn't happen often, but let's say they had a, a powerhouse big 10 team come in. Like, are they still, they're usually not the underdog. So how big was a three point win over a pac 12 team that you were the underdog to. I, I think it was a nice one. I think it was a motivating one that this squad needed, but when it comes to fan standards, it still wasn't up to par and maybe how close that game was should serve as that reminder to everyone. You know, this, this is far from a complete product as Napier has put an emphasis on all off season, you know, player acquisition, uh, recruiting obviously we've started to see the fruits of that labor throughout the summer and they hope to close strong and, and we've seen it at a lot of positions of need in particular when you watch these losses you know wide receivers struggling to separate five receivers in the class six defensive linemen if you include edge rushers when the biggest problem has been run defense so you know you're, you're seeing the needs being addressed and you have to remind yourself again Napier came in and he truly did tear everything down and try to rebuild it from scratch that's never going to be an overnight fix. And you made the point, Brandon, with, you know, Mullen, Muschamp, and McElwain. They all came in and overachieved with the, you know, with the talent that was left behind. And obviously there wasn't the transfer portal nearly to this extent, at least under Mullen, it was there. Um, but as a whole, they came in and overachieved and crashed and burned. You have to at least respect the change in approach and hope and commit to the idea long-term that maybe doing it differently will turn things around. I, I mean, I feel like a lot of fans have lost touch with that. Not all of them. In fact, I'd argue most of them probably haven't, but there are a lot that have that have started to panic already. And I just, it's too early when you keep all of that in mind. I agree. I agree it is. And I think the biggest thing is just impatience within the Florida fan base. A lot of them are still thinking back to the, you know, 2006, 2008 seasons where Florida was a national powerhouse and they were winning national championships. And they expect that to be a year in and year out uh, kind of goal for the University of Florida. And as of right now, that's not where the status of the program is at. They're not a national championship contender. They're not an SEC contender and they're not an SEC East contender. And that's not going to change overnight. And I change overnight. And I think Napier, it can get them back to that point, but it's not going to happen this year or even potentially next year. It's going to be a gradual ascension, as I mentioned before, and it's going to continue growing as in each year as he brings in the, like you said, as he does the talent acquisition process, he implements his 
um, game plan and scheme and just system all around into every little detail of the Florida program uh, into his players, have buy-in from everyone on the squad, get rid of the players that, you know, can kind of not be in the position to carry out what he's attempting to accomplish um, with, you know, the discipline and playing for each other and kind of being that, you know, on that UF journey, as they like to say, or however UF future, uh, whatever it is. But I think that that's a big part of where this, kind of storyline is going is it's going to be a it's not going to happen tonight it's not going to happen tomorrow it's going to be a bit down the road but it's you know uh that can be a hard pill to swallow for some gator fans that are still living in the past the journey right our yeah 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 yeah. the journey yeah yeah the journey yeah and and I agree with you. And I think there are things you can still nitpick at. Like you mentioned yeah. installing the scheme in first couple games. I have issues with the offensive scheme at this point. Defensively, I think things a lot are a lot better. Still not perfect, but I truly believe, as I was saying before, that is more of a talent thing. Run defense, the defensive line. We talked all summer on this pod about trying to get a transfer defensive tackle onto this roster that can play immediately. It, they just couldn't get it, and, and we're seeing that right now. But you also mentioned, you know, it being every corner, the player buy-in to what they're doing, into the development program, into, you know, changing their, their physical, you know, habits and, and their makeup. Like Desmond Watson, tonight we just got back a little bit ago, we're recording this on Wednesday, and Florida put out its uh, week four depth chart. Desmond Watson's a starter. Who would have seen that this summer? Like, even with the idea that they were just not in a good spot at defensive tackle. You know, maybe he we, – we thought he'd play 25 snaps a game. He's approaching 40 right now and has now been named a starter. He's – I forget. He says he's listed at 415. It's kind of been going up and down. At the – when the death chart first came out back in August, he was sitting right around 440. You could tell yeah. he had put on a lot more since we had seen him in the spring. He had kind of lost control. But he bought in and he's seriously benefiting right now compared like, I mean, they need that. They obviously need players to step up on the defensive line, probably more than anywhere on this roster and talk about a story. I mean, we've seen it in glimpses, how good of a player he can be. And I know I'm kind of ranting about Desmond, but you look at the freshmen, you look at the transfers that have come in. Ricky Pearsall is Pearsall. I always mess that up is the team's best receiver pretty clearly. Their best option at linebacker with Ventro Miller being hurt, true freshman Shamar James. Devin Moore is playing significant playing time. Trevor Etienne is a significant aspect of this offense right now. You're seeing the buy-in across the roster, and you're seeing the players that they've come in and put in on the field quickly. The hit rate is really high. I I think that this is important context to look at, and it it points to the idea that it's going to take time because I still only mentioned – four or so guys there. Chris McClellan's performed well, but he's playing like 10 snaps a game. So it's very limited sample size, but you're seeing positive returns on just about every meaningful player that's been brought in and everyone that, you know, clearly had a lot of work to do and by all accounts bought in. I think this is exactly what you want to see amid a season where you're kind of struggling a little bit. Would you agree? 
Oh, I definitely agree. And that's not including a guy like Kamari Wilson, who's going to eventually be a main piece in that the back end of the secondary. If you look at the safety unit, that's actually one of the ones that haven't hasn't rotated as often as the other pieces uh, all across the you know formation, offensively and defensively. Rashad Torrance and Trading have kind of controlled that uh, much more frequently than we anticipated them to, or at least I anticipated them to. But there's so much, you know. There can only be so much promise for the future when there's only, like Zach said, five or six players that we're name dropping right now that are legitimate pieces to the game plan that are kind of the ones that are setting forth this new era of Florida football under Billy Napier. Um, And one thing I want to touch on um, is he talked about scheme um, and the kind of implementing some things offensively and defensively. I a hundred percent agree with Zach that defensively, I think things are going in the right direction. I do think there are still holes. Nothing's been perfect, but I'm confident in what Patrick Tony is doing on that side of the ball. Offensively. I think that they are playing out of character um, for what their personnel uh, provides. I think that they are a run first team and they have not been showing that they are run first team. They've been trying to be a pass first team using their dual threat quarterback as a pocket passer which has ultimately led to the lulls that they've faced against Kentucky and USF. So going forward, if they can reestablish their identity on the ground, which they're going to need to do against Tennessee, which we'll touch on in a moment, they can legitimately be that, you know, eight and 14. But if they don't, they continue to try to work outside of themselves. I think that we continue to see kind of, they continue to take these hits um, that can be prevented by simple things like scheme or, um, kind of just putting players in the right position to succeed and winning with the players you have now while you wait for your talent, your guys to come in and kind of revamp this program. We're certainly going to want to dive more in depth on our thoughts on scheme on Anthony Richardson's performance. Obviously, I think that's the number one topic surrounding Florida football and, and a lot more of that. But again, that is to come in future episodes, I do think that we can segue pretty perfectly here into Tennessee, the first road game of the year for the Gators, the first road game of the Billy Napier tenure, uh, the first road game for 34 new players, uh, according to Napier back in July at SEC Media Days. That's how many players they welcome to the roster this offseason, a uh, mix of recruits, transfers, yada, yada. It's going to be a big test. Obviously, we've seen the struggles with Florida's passing game, and the immediate thought is, how is Florida going to keep up with one of the most explosive offenses in the country, with a quarterback in Hendon Hooker who's been one of the most efficient in terms of scoring to turnover quarterbacks in, in the country over the past year? But it's the Florida-Tennessee rivalry. We know this can get crazy. We know this tends to go Florida's way. Uh, we know that Florida head coach Billy Napier has a lot of Tennessee fans in his family, or so we've learned this week being from Tennessee. There's there's a lot of different variables to this game that make it very interesting to cover, even though for the first time in a, a really long time, Florida's not the favorite. They are going in currently, according to the Sports Illustrated Sportsbook, as 11-point underdogs um, with an over-under at 62. Brandon, when you... When you look at this game, where do you think Florida matches up well with Tennessee and where do you think they might struggle a bit? And ultimately, to wrap it up, how big of a test do you think this is for the program as a whole this year? Yeah, so 
in my preparation watching this week, kind of going back and looking at some what Tennessee does. Obviously, Tennessee is a team that they like to play fast paced. They like to, you know, kind of utilize their air attack to beat you. They're a team that's going to score 50 points a game if you let them. And they have so far this year. They're the third ranked offense in the NCAA. Um, however, I do think Florida matches up almost perfectly with this Tennessee team if they play into their strengths, like I said earlier. Uh, Tennessee, they are a team that, like I said, can beat you if they you let them play at their pace. Um, so if Florida is able to control the clock, run the football, and kind of be that uh, play keep away from a Tennessee offense that if you know they are given the ball over and over again in, in short time spans and that defense stays fresh, they can hurt you pretty badly and that 11-point spread will be crushed. That Tennessee will crush that 11-point spread and make it look like this game isn't even a game. However, if Florida's able to play within themselves, uh, they kind of utilize the pass defense that they have, which hasn't been um, as as bad as the rush defense this year. The, they, they've actually um, haven't allowed many big pass plays um, outside of some uh, struggles against tight ends uh, throughout this year. They've allowed one... Uh, 50-yard ball to Dane Key when they played Kentucky. But other than that, it's been a pretty stout unit. I think overall, you just kind of look at what Tennessee does well and Florida matches up offensively and defensively with pieces that can stymie that attack. They can break down Tennessee even on the road. They can play within themselves, utilize the trio of rushing backs that they have in Naquan Wright, Montrell Johnson, and Trevor Etienne. Let Anthony Richardson get back to his roots of running the football and kind of control that clock, churn out yardage, and be a team that does exactly the opposite of what Tennessee wants to accomplish. And if they do that, I think not only will they be in the game, they have a chance to win the game, despite Tennessee clearly having the advantage from a, you know, kind of what they've done this season uh, to this point. I'm a bad company, man. I definitely use the Sports Illustrated sports book when I should have been using Bet Online. Uh, my apologies. Uh, I'm prepared to use the Sports Illustrated one for our stories, and I already had that pulled up. But Bet Online does have this at 10.5 uh, underdogs for Florida, 61.5 over under. I agree with you that I think in a lot of ways, Florida, you know, personnel on personnel matches up. The bigger test, again, it points to the inexperience of this team being the first road test for this coaching staff, uh, the lack of, you know, I think the team's got chemistry, but again, with that many players and a new coaching staff and really a, a huge amount of information that's put on these guys, because they really do hit every corner of this program and off the field and school and in career building and all of this stuff, they've got so much on their plate. This is really going to be a test of this team's chemistry, not just on the road in front of 102,000 people, but going against an offense in particular that as Amari Bernie put it on Wednesday night, likes to get plays off like the ball snapped before the chain gang even lines up and is there for a play, which I don't even think that's legal. And I would like to go back and see if that's a thing, but I'm going to take his word for it. I don't think he would just lie like that. Maybe they've gotten a couple of plays off where they've beaten the gang there and nothing comes of it. Uh, the bottom line is that in addition to you know getting anthony right and you know figuring out the strengths of this team and how it can attack the weaknesses of tennessee their discipline is going to be tested their ability to communicate especially without ventrell miller if he's unable to go he has been upgraded to questionable but 
you know, we shall still see. If not, it's going to be Shamar James starting at middle linebacker, a true freshman. Uh, in this type of environment, it's going to be a, a massive test regarding the discipline of this team. And, and that's something that Napier put a huge emphasis on throughout the offseason, throughout fall camp, because this Gators team was extremely undisciplined last year, even the 2020 year when they you know went to the SEC championship and had a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. Uh, it's it's been a major focus for this team, and, and this is going to ultimately be what could decide the game is if they get undisciplined, if they struggle to communicate. And I'm very curious to see exactly what what it looks like. You know, if this turns into a one score game, then you have to think that you know they they gave it everything they had and that they were pretty disciplined throughout. Yeah, and if it turns into a one score game, we know Billy Napier is someone that has had vast success in one score games. He upgraded this past weekend against USF to 18 and three in one score games in his career. So he has the formula for winning those one score games. Not saying that's going to happen, but like Zach said, if they have that discipline, if they are able to execute their game plan and play within themselves, that doesn't necessarily seem like a far-fetched dream, especially considering the history between Florida and Tennessee uh, and Florida consistently beating Tennessee uh, no matter the year even when Tennessee's at its best and Florida's at its worst. It seems that it just consistently comes. This year could be a different uh, kind of storyline come Saturday, but uh, it's still something that you have to think about when you look at this series and everything that's happened with the the two schools in the past. I'm certainly excited for it. I'm going to be up there covering it this weekend uh, after a little trip to Appalachian State because that's going to be incredible. That atmosphere looks amazing, and I want to check it out. I'm like two hours away. Um, there's going to be college game day there too. It, it, it should be a really, really great first environment for a road game for Billy Napier as an SEC head coach. With that being said, Brandon, we're recording this Wednesday night. It is a little bit early to make a score prediction in my opinion, but I want to go ahead and, you know, leave everyone with our predictions for the game as it stands right now on Wednesday questionables on the injury reports we're not exactly sure who will and won't be able to go on both sides i mean i guess the biggest one on florida's end is ventro miller but they're you know tennessee's got a couple too that we're gonna have to worry about that all being said early prediction who's winning this game florida or tennessee so if we'd asked this question on saturday night around midnight or one o'clock i would have given you tennessee and i just said they covered uh that 11 point 10 and a half point spread um, but as the weeks went on and I've gotten an opportunity to kind of look at what Tennessee does and does well this season, obviously I knew from last season what they uh, are accomplishing to do or attempting to accomplish, I should say. Um, I have kind of fallen in line with the fact that I think Florida has what it takes to beat Tennessee from a structural standpoint, how their rosters filled out. Um, and given, like I said, the past of what these this rivalry game has, has been, um, I would – Personally, right now, um, say that Florida escapes with an upset over the Volunteers in Rocky Top. Um, I know it's the kind of the crazy um, pick. I, I know it's not going to be, you know, something. And I think if it does happen, it's a three-point, you know, it's not going to be anything crazy. But I do like where Florida matches up. And if it was any other type of matchup, I'd have Tennessee. But I do think that where Florida does well on both sides of the ball this season, if they just play into that, they will walk out of Rocky Top with a victory. Yeah, I just can't be that confident uh, with with the mix of factors that we just discussed about the environment and the, you know, Billy going into it for his first time. 
But also, you know, I do look back on this USF game in particular at home. You couldn't get anything going against just a team that shouldn't be able to hang with you. You know, I think the combination of those two things, how couldn't I pick Tennessee at this point? Now, that being said, I do think it's going to be a close game. I think Florida covers, and I don't think it's a backdoor cover. I think that it's going to be pretty consistently a one-score game throughout. I think Florida's going to be able to control the game quite a bit with their run game, but it's only going to be a matter of time before there is a miscommunication. There is something that points to it's still just not there yet that there's a lot for Florida to correct. As Napier said this week, and he said every week after wins and losses, that there's just... They are not where they want to be whatsoever. So with all that in mind, I think he adds a loss to the one score game call um, to the loss column there. But it, you know, they lose by three points and it's a nail biter. I get fans are going to be upset because you don't lose to Tennessee. But again, it goes back to what we said at the start of this episode. Take the bad year and you understand that this is going to be a process. Just take it, forget about it. Next year, you better not lose to Kentucky or Tennessee or the likes. But I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm just maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. No, I think I think that's reasonable. Obviously, with what I've seen um, from Florida, if this was not a game where I thought they just matched up well with Tennessee, I would 100 percent take the uh, take Tennessee on the road, their first road game. Uh, 110,000 fans packed into a college game day environment where literally every major media outlet is covering the game. And you're seeing, you know, kind of this huge matchup between ranked opponents in the SEC East with Florida on the brink of, uh, you know, it's pure, like complete elimination from any shot that they still have left to contend for an SEC East title. It's not going to happen because Georgia's going to win the East. But I think that you see kind of everything that goes into it. There's no way Florida wins. And then you look at what Tennessee does well and what Florida does well. Florida is the epitome of what can hurt Tennessee. And I think because of that, because of what this team looks at this game as, as a, okay, we, we're in week four, but this is already a game that could literally decide where our season goes from here. Because you lose another SEC East game and your season's over in terms of you're only competing for a bowl game. So I think that they just have a lot riding on this appearance, this contest, and as a result of what they do well and what Tennessee does well, I think that they go in and squeak out uh, an, an improbable victory in week four. And I'm also giving Zach a chance to tie me up in the, uh, in our little rankings or our uh, predictions uh, series that we have over at allgators.com. I got off to a really rough start there. And truth be told, I was two botched snaps away from starting 0 and three. I don't want to say I was rooting for it just for the chaos, but I think it'd have been kind of funny. Yeah. I probably shouldn't say anything like that ever again on this podcast. Anyway, guys, thank you for uh, for stopping back in with us today. Again, I know it's been a while and I do apologize, but I'm excited with where things are right now. I'm happy to have Brandon here. And again, uh, he may not be the only person joining me here on this show. Stay tuned. We'll have more content for you guys next week. Uh, maybe We're by then we'll something. have... Maybe we'll, yeah, we're up to something. Maybe by then it'll be figured out. Uh, until then, Brandon, uh, go ahead and let everyone know where they can find your stuff. Yeah, uh, obviously I'm with Zach over at allgators.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at It's B. Carol, two R's and two L's, and Carol at It's B. Carol.
And you guys can find me at Zach underscore Goodall. Like Brandon said, all our written work is over at allgators.com. Again, I'll be up there in Tennessee this weekend. I'll be covering the game in person, uh, my first time at Nayland Stadium. It'll be exciting. Uh, can't wait to deliver the content, and I hope you guys check it out. Uh, once again, this show was presented by Bet Online. It will be next week as well. I'm excited to recite the pitch and maybe uh, not mess it up this time. Uh, but until then, wish me luck. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.